Welcome to We Fish ASA, the best darn fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire USA. My name is Steve Surley. My partner is Dave Krantz. We Fish ASA is always pleased to offer you conversation with the most interesting, the most informative, the most entertaining, as well as some of the biggest names in the world of fishing. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association, in particular St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Calcutta, makers of a line of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion. Daiwa, we've got your bass covered. They certainly do. Daiwa Reels. We Fish ASA presents a new episode of our one-hour podcast every week, and it's available wherever you get your podcast. Don't forget to check out our website, wefishasa.com. We Fish ASA is recorded in Chicago at two locations. We send the audio down to Lando Lakes, Florida, to our executive producer, Mr. Brad Nearman. He puts it together and makes us sound as good as we do. Thanks for all the help, Brad. On today's show, we welcome Mark Hansen from St. Croix, a gentleman named Sam Veith, who has founded an organization called Fishing for Good. Sam Veith. And I get to visit with Jeremy Smith from Linder Media Productions. Yeah, you see him on Linder's Angling Edge. He is an excellent fisherman. I don't care what species, if it swims, he catches them, Mr. Jeremy Smith. But first, let's swing it over to Dave Kranz to bring on Mark Hansen for his debut on We Fish ASA. Take it away, David. As Steve said, I am Dave Kranz. This is the We Fish ASA podcast, and this segment is brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. We normally have Dan Johnson, but you know what? Dan's fishing today with his family up in Minnesota, so we got a, a very qualified pro staffer that's going to punt for him. His name is Mark Hansen. He's been on before. Welcome back, Mark. Thank you. Glad, glad to have you here. I, I know you just got back from a Canadian trip. Boy, a lot of people in the upper Midwest and across this uh, country are heading to Canada this time of year, uh, uh, early to mid-June. It's a good time to go, but uh, you just got back. Why don't you give us a little update on what the conditions are like up there? I got to tell you, I was out fishing west of Kenora, and uh, they've got extreme flood conditions up there. Highest water anybody has remembered in a long time. I'm, and so Lake of the Woods and that portion of it, Shoal Lake, that area was up probably two and a half, three feet. And it was one of those unusual trips where you get into the water when you first launch, you spend a week, and when you leave, the water temp's a couple degrees colder than when you got there. So pretty unusual. Um, and it was quite windy the whole time. It seemed like we were we were calm when it was, or we were thankful when it was only blowing 10. Um, but uh, so it seemed kind of daunting, to be honest. And you kind of look at, we're, you know, day five into a cold front. But, you know, the rule of thumb, I guess, is you got to take what Mother Nature is willing to give you. And this week she was willing to give us a jerkbait bite that was just phenomenal. Um to be honest, my hand and shoulder is still sore. Um, caught, you know, must have been 120 a day or something. Almost all smallmouth. And the walleyes were still up shallow. They were hitting jerkbaits, too. And, and you know, you kind of figure things out. The weather throws a couple of changes at you. But uh, it was a great trip. Great trip. So, Excellent. You know, we... Yeah, we passed on the way we came home on Saturday. And, you know, that's moving day for Canada. And I stopped counting after I got to about 150 boats heading up 53 towards I Falls there. So I know there's a bunch of people up there right now kind of dealing with the same thing. Yeah, yeah. And that that's uh, that, and what were the road conditions like with all that water? Uh, you know, it was good except for one place. And I think that's Highway 71 just south of um, Nestor Falls. Oh, I'm sorry, just north of Sioux Narrows. And it was down to one lane and they had a couple of guys out there kind of 
alternating lanes of traffic but it would not surprise me if there were more because it you know continued to rain and the water kept flushing uh into the system so it's uh it's going to be interesting on the travel but uh you know it was it was one of those things where you start to realize that all those rocks that you knew of as one footers are now three footers four footers and just perfect jerk bait conditions and so forth so all the rocky points that you knew uh, that if you fished up there before are probably still good, but swap out to a deeper dive and jerk bait. And, uh, you know, probably caught 90%, 90, 95% on, you know, the usual pointer or, or one tens, that kind of thing. Um, and sometimes when it was windy enough, just for, just for grins would throw a, a white bladed spinner blade or spinner bait and, you know, connect it on some of those. Uh, and in a couple of cases where you get into that kind of shadowed spot behind the wind where wind's breaking around an island, you could actually pitch a jig up there, kind of, you know, a good imitation, especially around those seams where the current is flowing. And, uh, we got whacked pretty hard on some of those too. So, um, but it was really just kind of figuring out that where those rocky points are, they're now just a little bit deeper and find where the wind is blowing on something. And if you've got the ability to kind of cast into the wind, retrieve back with it, uh, that, that was just the secret. Uh, midweek, we got a little bit um, through a mental challenge at you because the temps dropped a little bit and it got colder. I think it was down to like almost 40 degrees overnight. And uh, you had to figure out which way the fish were moving. And maybe they were going to be heading up shallower where it was warmer, uh, or maybe they were flushing back out deeper where it was a little bit more stable. And it seemed like uh, when you go from major structure to major structure, you had to figure out which way that group of fish had moved that day. Um, but, you know, once you figured that out, it was uh, it was lights on. There were fish. I don't, I don't think we stopped on more than one or two places all week where we didn't get bit. You know, once you once you knew this looks good, I've got wind, I've got rocks, I've got a kind of a current seam, uh, and uh, and just hit rocky points. Yeah, and you just described described many places across this country and uh, Canadian Shield Lakes or the uh, the yes. uh, upper upper Midwest, out east. You know, whether it's New York or uh, uh, any anything going across Michigan, Wisconsin. Uh, yes, you know, all those places are going to be like that. So you said primarily a jerk bait bite. Uh, what mm-hmm. what uh, rod and type of line were you using? The action and power and and that type of thing. Most of the jerk baits we were throwing were that that, and I love this blank from Saint Croix. That six eight medium extra fast, right? And um, the the reason for that, you don't want any more length, or you got your rod tip in the water. And this was especially important with the uh, with the wind that we had today, and kind of casting into the wind. That I'm sorry, not today, but this week. Uh, you don't want to get too much of a bow in your line, right? Uh, and if you've got a longer rod or whatever, you get that tip up, uh, you're going to get a blow in there. And that's, that's hard to get your cadence and sensation of how much slack do I have in my line so that when I'm snapping it, I'm, I'm still actually snapping that bait. Um, so that was, that was fantastic. I had some, uh, you know, an avid in there. I had, uh, you know, a legend tournament and a couple others in there, but that was the primary rod. Uh, we were throwing on a mix of 10 and 12 pound, um, fluorocarbon on there and unfortunately this happens some years uh, you know some years it does some years it doesn't kind of coincide with that fluff uh that comes down out of the cottonwoods or whatever before that gets into your line you pretty much just got to respool uh, <laughs> you know because it's just impossible to get off um and so i mean if you're if you're heading up or you know you're going to be facing one of those bring a big spool line because you're just going to have to do it um but that was that was really the ticket and it was a pretty significant snap um, you know, kind of pump, pump, 
pause, pump, pump, pause, single pump or whatever else, and just kind of get into that rhythm and, and, and just rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. Um, and they, by and large, hit a bigger bait than I normally think of. I often end up throwing like a 78 in there, but they were they were wanting that 100 and 110 pretty hard. And mostly in kind of a matte perch color uh, was our secret this year. But, you know, sometimes there's some pike around and we ended up giving some baits back to the lake. Um, but uh, more so than the usual kind of ghost miller, uh, ghost minnow color that's normally my preference. But, uh, no, that, that perch color was the ticket. Well, that's what uh, they were eating. I had... I was going to ask about the pike because when you throw anything perch up in uh, these lakes that uh, generally you attract a few pike. But uh, were you able to yes. land any pike that got hooked in the corner of the mouth? Uh, we did get a couple of corners, a couple of lucky ones. Um, there's a place that I know pretty doggone well, and it was uh, one of the few places where the, the uh, wind had kind of settled down. So there was enough uh, just slick on the water you could see into it about six feet away from the boat. Uh, I watched a, it was probably about a 38, 39 inch muskie, good size, but not huge, obviously not for there. Had swum, swam up underneath my boat and came up and took that 110 in his mouth sideways. <laughs> and I, I'm sitting here thinking, oh dear God, I'm going to lose the last good bait I have left. <laughs> you know, and I was desperately hoping not to catch that fish. And amazingly, uh, it, it all went in sideways and he spit it back out and we were actually kind of thankful uh, I would have traded that bait for another day and a half versus, versus catching the muskie. Um, but, you know, so those things kind of happen. Um, we did catch a fair amount of stuff on Ned rigs, too, which is kind of surprising considering how windy it was. But, you know, it's kind of the standard. You throw the jerk bait in there and uh, and catch the aggressive fish and then toss them, uh, the Ned ring in behind and kind of mop up what was left. Um, and you, you just basically had to toss it into a good-looking spot and just let it soak a little bit, maybe twitch infrequently and and pick up if there was weight there then just finish by you know taking that lift into a hook set uh but we caught a fair number that way too uh and there didn't seem to be a size preference um you know you didn't catch like bigger fish on the jerk bait and smaller fish on the net or vice versa they were all pretty much the same what, what rod and line were you using on the net rig um on the net rig i had used two different rods um one was a uh a 610 medium light extra fast and then i also brought out one of the new uh new series that we have that that seven three medium light extra fast and that you know the longer rod was nice in order to kind of pick up more line because no matter what you did you were going to get a bow in it with all that wind um so it was easier to kind of pick up more line with that longer rod yeah absolutely you're saying uh what you're, you're saying how windy it was uh tell the listeners actually what what how many miles per hour you were fishing in. oh gosh it was we thought we were doing well when it was only blowing 10 right? And there was an awful lot of times that it was uh, 15 or 20 uh, and sometimes more. Uh, I'd hired a guide one day out of the lodge where I was staying uh, just to help show us some new water in the part of that lake I hadn't really fished before. And it was blowing so hard the trolling motor couldn't hold us. So he's actually down at the console using the, the big motor to try to hold it. And I'm sitting up there on the front of the boat slinging jerk baits into the wind with my buddy. It's driving rain and wind and everything. I said, you know, one of us has got to be Ahab looking for his dog on white whale. It was the most ridiculous conditions out there. But, you know, the, the side of a true crazy fisherman is you'll put up with that because they're biting. Um, so, yeah, it was uh, there were there were gales that were crazy. I think one night up there they actually had a tornado watch. Um, and that's the first time I can ever remember that happening. Um, but thankfully, I canceled. That's just not safe to go out when it's that kind of stuff. But if it's just windy and rainy, then, you know, put on the life jacket and keep it on and just go. 
Yep, you take the time to go. It's it's your week to be up there, and you yeah. got to enjoy it. And uh, yeah. I I truly yeah, appreciate you being on, uh, Mark. We're up against the clock, but uh, thank you for. Uh, for pinch hitting for Dan, I know he appreciates it, and I'm glad to hear about your trip and some of the techniques that work for you, and I'm sure it won't be the last time we have you on. Perfect. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. Oh, no problem. That was Mark Hansen from St. Croix, the best rods on earth. I am Dave Cran. Steve Sarley is remote, and we will be right back after these messages. Rule your water. Rule it with a St. Croix rod. Whether you take to the lake, wade the rivers, or cast from shore, St. Croix provides responsive performance, ensuring your success below every surface. With a St. Croix rod in hand, you're a part of a celebrated tradition that has spanned 70 years. Touch, power, and control are right at your fingertips and extend to you the finest fishing experience on the planet. St. Croix, the best rods on earth. The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit KeepAmericaFishing.org and pledge to pitch it. Welcome back to the We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Cran. Steve Starley is remote, and this segment is brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. I always like to say that everyone that I get to interview on this uh, segment has a passion for the outdoors. My next guest uh, has a passion to bring others into the outdoors. His name is Sam Veith. He is founder of FishingForGood.org. Welcome to the program, Sam. Thank you. Uh, so tell us a little bit about how you came up with the concept, why, uh, and uh, and basically what what it's all about. Well, well, you know, it starts off with a veteran fishing outing uh, that Billy Heim uh, on Lake Geneva put together probably four or five years ago prior to COVID, uh, and I volunteered to take a couple veterans from the Heinz VA Hospital out on that on that day and and i got paired up with a couple guys and uh you know we we started fishing and and one of the guys you know we were just doing a basic drop shot rig and i'm teaching them how to how to you know cast the 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 spinning reel out there and one of the guys got a little overwhelmed just just you know trying to get the line in the water it's like hey can i sit down and just relax and i said absolutely and you know, me and the other guy were fishing, catching fish, and the other guy, uh, you know, that that couldn't really fish. He he basically, uh, you know, he he sat back, relaxed in my big captain's chair. I asked him what kind of music he liked, and finally we settled on some Johnny Cash for the day. And <laughs> and uh, you know, he actually just fell asleep on the boat, and he woke up and he said, "Wow, this has been the best day ever." And that's when I realized that just getting some veterans uh, out on the water 
um, is just super, super beneficial. So we fast forward uh, to 2020 right before COVID hit. And uh, I wanted to uh, basically, um, you know, start, you know, financing my, my, my hobby, my addiction of fishing and become a fishing guide. But what I thought was, I was like, I don't want to compete with my guide buddies and, and take trips from them. Maybe I could do something good for people. And, and I had this idea where maybe I could find companies that would pay me to take veterans out. So I, I started an LLC originally uh that's that's still around but you know i don't use it too much anymore but i started fun fishing guide service as my own little guide company to kind of test this model out and uh during covid i think helped a little bit because everybody wanted to come fishing and uh, i was able to raise a little bit of money from about six sponsors and i was busier than i thought i i could be and i I basically um i i knew i had something when you know i had businesses paying me to take out veterans. So I ran, I think, 16 or 18 trips that year in 2020 under fun fishing. And and that's when I decided moving into 2021 that, you know, I, I should do something more and make this a charity and get more guys and guides involved because, you know, I have a day job. I, I'm the sole breadwinner at, in, in my household and I just can't do everything myself. So that's when I came up with the idea for calling it Fishing for Good Foundation, uh, where we simply uh, give back through fishing. I call it Fishing Back on social media. And and uh, last year, I founded it in January of 2021. Uh, we were able to raise um, about $15,000, uh, $20,000 for the fishing season. And we ran about 34 trips while getting the whole charity done. Uh, and we are now... Uh, approved by the IRS um, as a 5013C uh, public charity. Um, and we have about a handful, five or six fishing guides that are taking veterans out on Lake Geneva, Lake Delavan. And then we just opened up a new chapter up north uh, with another one of our guides, Eric Leonard from Tactical Angling. Uh, he's running uh, trips on Pewaukee Lake and some of those lake country uh, lakes around Milwaukee. Excellent, excellent. Now I, I, I see. You know, you're regional. You're in the southeast Wisconsin area, but I see this as an opportunity. Uh, this podcast goes out across the country. There are so many large organizations that take ve- veterans out, but they still can't get to all of them. So I see this as an opportunity for somebody that wants to do something similar. Um, in their own area, maybe somebody in Pennsylvania or, or New York or, or uh, you know, Missouri or wherever wants to do this on a scale of what you're doing, maybe 15 to 30 trips a year. And, and uh, is, is the fishingforgood.org a good way for them to get a hold of you if they want to try to uh, do something similar? Well, absolutely. What, what my, my intention in building this was that, um, you know, maybe we, we stay small, but I built it so that we could create chapters anywhere there's lakes, fishing guides, and veterans. So when you think about it that way, it's pretty much anywhere in the United States. Uh, And and eventually I'd love to see this go national uh, to the point where we're spreading, we're giving back to veterans all over the country. Um, And and, uh, I think the way my business model works for the charity um, where we could scale up rather quickly. We just have to find the right partners, uh, the right guides, 
uh, and the right sponsors that could that uh, can can finance these trips uh, and get back through fishing. No, I think it's great. There's uh, uh, so many organizations that take veterans out, and, and it's a lot of times a one-day event, and they take out 10 or 15 or 20 or you know 30, whatever they can handle. But there's definitely more veterans that can use the time on the water. It's not only the fishing, as you stated in you know, uh, telling us a little bit about how you came up with this and, and your trip uh, with somebody that just enjoyed being out on the water and enjoying nature and relaxing and, and having a day that uh, they could forget about things because fishing is very therapeutic absolutely time on the water for me anytime i've had rough spots in my life i run to the lake i fish and uh it just really helps getting out in nature the healing power of nature is is something that i really really believe in so i want to promote this uh as far and wide as i can And, and just to tell you a quick story from a trip we had on saturday we did our first uh, Lake Michigan salmon fishing trip with one of my friends and um, and and basically we, we had four veterans from an organization called the Veterans Outreach of Wisconsin they they are known as the tiny home for vets so you know there's it's a two-year program they have about 15 veterans that live in and that they give lodging to in these tiny homes and they have a, a basically a village that helps vets get back on their feet. Um, so we had these guys out on, on Saturday and they were able to catch uh, some coho salmon, some lake trout, and even one king salmon. Um, and they had a great time. But, you know, what I didn't realize is how much they were going to get out of that trip afterwards. And what happened is they took the fish back. They, they got together with the other vets that didn't really make it out on the water but they all got together, they filleted them up, and then yesterday they all got together and they had a big cookout. Um, they smoked, you know, and somebody had donated a, a really nice smoker, so they were able to use their smoker and uh, cook the fish up, and, and everybody is just raving about it all weekend long, about how much fun they had. And, you know, the, just that one experience of, you know, four or five hours in the water, you know, trans, I didn't realize would just go that much further and to have that much benefit. Now everybody who didn't go wants to come out, so I'm looking for sponsors to sponsor some trips uh, with some charter captains on the Great Lakes this year, and that's kind of my next step uh, as as far as expansion uh, in Wisconsin, but um, I think uh, we could we really have a great model that could expand um, across the country, but not only just for vets. I also feel like that there's a lot of communities that uh, can use fishing. I think, you know, it's a great sport for, um, you know, who knows if we could, we could serve inner city kids or disadvantaged youth someday, or, you know, take out uh, terminally ill cancer patients with their family. I think that I named it fishing for good so that we can expand in many, many different ways. And as we get, as we partner with other nonprofits, and other uh, sponsors that you know the ideas that we can we can do are just endless so i'm really really excited to get this going we're small now but uh you know i think there's we got a really really good foundation for the future 
Absolutely. And I think there are other groups that maybe don't have the expertise of fishing, but have uh, some of the participants in their organizations that could use your services as a fishing guide, having uh, having the guides, having the people that have the boats and the equipment and, and getting people out there because it is so therapeutic. And, uh, and I like the name Fishing for Good because that it doesn't, it can be veterans, it can be people like you said that, that have never experienced a day on the water, uh, people who just don't because maybe they don't have parents or that, that have enjoyed the outdoors but but once you teach people how to do it i think they want to go again and again and again and some of us get the disease worse than others like like you and i but i i think it's yeah, I, I think absolutely. it's yeah i think it's great so give give your contact information again for people that either want to participate in something people that want to help or donate or sponsor or or people that maybe uh you know have some other ideas or want to possibly open up a a, a chapter somewhere else uh, like what you're doing Absolutely. So uh, you can contact me. Again, my name is Sam Veith, founder of Fishing for Good Foundation. Uh, you could reach me at directly at 262-758-4439, or you could simply email me at sam at fishingforgood.org. Excellent, excellent, and and it's a, a great thing that you're doing, and uh, I think that uh, hopefully uh, you'll be busier than you want to be with this. And uh, but but that that's a good thing. I mean, to to give back to the outdoor community and give back to uh, uh, something uh, to people that don't get to experience what uh, those of us in the outdoors get to, and and maybe we sometimes we take that for granted because we we can go fishing a little more often or when we'd like or or it's. It, better yet, it's part of our jobs, and, and we get to do this. But I, I definitely uh, thank you for being on, Sam, and uh, look forward to hearing from you in the future about how things are going. Yes, I, I appreciate that, and uh, thank you for letting me spread the word. And, uh, you know, feel free to contact me if anybody has ideas or, or anything that, that, you know, you think can help us grow we're definitely looking for uh ambassadors to, to help the mission and sponsors to help us grow um because i can't you know i'm realizing i just can't do everything myself these days um and uh i really really appreciate this thank you oh thank you sam we appreciate you uh that was sam veith founder of fishingforgood.org and I am Dave Cran. Steve Sarley is remote and this segment was brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel. For those with a passion for the outdoors, the We Fish ASA podcast will be right back. The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. Calcutta, we're an outdoor coastal trading company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. Born in the back of a Florida bait and tackle shop, Calcutta was created with a rebellious spirit and a goal to offer hardworking outdoor products at a reasonable price. Calcutta builds the products that fit your lifestyle. We're on a mission to help you reclaim your free time and to declare mutiny on the mundane. Depend on Calcutta gear and apparel.
Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting rail. Well, Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. Distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Tatula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. Welcome back to We Fish ASA. I am Steve Sarley. I have a partner. His name is Dave Krantz, but he is not here. He is remote. Don't forget that We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. And I am proud to introduce again my next guest, one of the most talented young fishermen in the country. He is the general manager of television production for Linder Media Productions. He is Mr. Jeremy Smith. Hey, Jeremy, how you doing? Hey, great, Steve. How about you? I'm doing good. Did, did I get your title correct? Yeah, yeah it's kind of do, do a little bit of this, do a little bit of that. You know, worm boy, you, you name it. So it's a small <laughs> business, so we all do it all. So. You, you, ha you have certainly done it all. Uh, a, a lot of uh, changes uh, in, in uh, the world of the Lindner since uh, probably since we last spoke. We lost... Uh, we lost Ron Linder, a, a, a great friend of mine, and I'm sure a, an unbelievable friend and mentor to you. Uh, Al Linder's wife passed away. A lot of things happening that haven't been real good for the Linders. Yeah, that was, you know, that was just a sad state of events, you know. Um, but uh, you know, everybody seems to have, uh, you know, gotten through it and, and uh, in a good place now. And of course, it's hard to be not in a good place when the water's open and you can be out fishing. So Al's been, uh, you know, it was pretty hard on him, but he's been uh, able to get out and enjoy a lot of time on the water, which is fantastic to see. And fishing is just an awesome way to uh, put your mind off whatever and make you feel better. So It, it certainly is. Uh, I, I know you'll be seeing James Linder soon. Yeah, Jimmy actually ran up to uh, Canada on Monday. It was a trip I was hoping to go on, but I had some other conflicts come up. So he went to Savant Lake. Um, Northwest Ontario Sunset Country, which has probably some of the bigger lake trout in that part of the world, and it's got giant northern pike and uh, tons of walleye. So it sounds like that's going to be a really sweet trip uh, for him. So this should be shallow. You know, the ice has only been out up there for uh, a couple of weeks, so he's going to have a really sweet bite up there. Yeah, I just want you to, I just want you to uh, tweak Jimmy a little bit when you see him. I, when I, I was. Uh, uh, Googling some things to get some information up just a short while ago, and and I just put Linder in, and uh, I put Linder fishing in Google, and it comes up with a list of suggested things to put in, and and one of the top things was is James Linder Al Linder's brother. Ah, sure, yeah, we get asked that all the so time. You, all the time I, so I just I just got a kick out of that, and I'm sure that that Jim would. Uh, Oh man, they're on that again! I can't believe that. That is uh, that is absolutely incredible. Hey, let, let's yeah. just—if people want to find out more about the Linder Empire, you know, we all know Angling Edge and watch that all the time on television. Uh, I read uh, Wired to Fish. I read uh, Target Walleye. Uh, it, where would you suggest people go to learn all things Linder? Yeah, so you know, we we do a number of different projects, and we're really—I mean, ninety-eight percent of our business is just focused on freshwater sport fishing and uh so 
We've got Angling Edge. You can go to anglingedge.com. You can go to our Facebook page. You can go to our Instagram. Um, also, we've got uh, a property called Angling Buzz. And that's a lot more current information. We do a, a live, a semi-live television show every week throughout the summer. And then that transitions into Angling Buzz Ice, where we get a lot of reports from the top-notch guides across the Midwest delivering what's happening in a lot of the top fisheries throughout the Midwest, just to give people who might not be on the water all the time the opportunity to say, all right, well, it sounds like this is what the pattern is. This is roughly how deep the fish are. And and uh, it's just a great starting point for current information. And, and uh, we also do a series for one boats called The Ultimate Fishing Experience. And uh, another one uh, we do for Ontario called The Ontario Experience. So if you went to Linder's Angling Edge, you'd be able to see a lot of these different uh, properties. You could click on them. And we've also got a great library. So everything we do is on a site called Fishhead TV. And so if you wanted to see anything that the lenders do, want to learn a ton of information, jump on Fishhead TV and you can learn all about it. Excellent. Excellent. I don't know how you guys have time uh, uh, for anything else when you're putting all this stuff together. It's uh, such an amazing package that you guys do. I wanted to get you on because you're one of the best multi-species anglers on the planet. And it's open water, and I'm happy to, that you've given us time during what's got to be an incredibly busy uh, rod in hand time of year for you. But I think the people would like to know a little bit about how to become a better fisherman by the different species. You know, people make a lot of mistakes. I think you could, uh, I think you could identify what people do wrong, and I think you can identify what people could do just to tweak their game a little bit to make them better fishermen by species. And if you don't mind, I'd like to start out with with bass. Uh, uh, when we're talking bass, uh, are we going to talk about largemouth and smallmouth completely separately, or, or do the lines blur between being a better smallmouth or being a better largemouth fisherman? Yeah, that's a that's a pretty big question. You know, I, I don't know how, how I'll tackle it, but I'll just say, you know, kind of one of the things that um, um, to try to get to the point as quick as I can. As a, as a young angler, I was just fascinated by all fish. So, I, you know, when I was really young, I really thought northerns were the, were the coolest thing ever to catch. But, you know, as I progressed, started to do this. And I really, really realized that if I was going to set out today to go, say, largemouth bass fishing, um, especially, you know, in, in the spring when a lot of the fish are shallow, um, I might all of a sudden run into a huge colony of big nesting bluegills. And or I might run into a big pot of crappie suspended on a weed line. So I started carrying different tools with me at an early age when I would, you know, encounter different species of fish and just being prepared every time you hit the water, not not going out and saying, all right, today I'm going to catch this type of fish on this type of lure and this is what I'm going to do and I'm going to stick with it. Just being versatile and having tools to fish for anything that swims, you're going to learn so much and you're going to just get even if you get better at fishing crappies, I'm telling you, it's going to make you a better walleye angler or bass angler. Every technique you learn has something to apply to another species. That is really interesting, and and I've never heard it phrased that way before. Uh, but but I accept what you're saying, and I think that uh, goes back to the first thing I said, which was, uh, what are some of the things that people do incorrectly? And I think that. Uh, uh, you're addressing that real directly there. Uh, people get stuck on that. Uh, I'm going to do this this way, and 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 they're going to try to force the fish to eat, and it doesn't work, and you end up having a less successful day than you could have had. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, the key to successful angling is just experimentation. So it is really hard when you are confident in a particular presentation and, and you've got limited time, you're going to go to what, what you're most confident in. And those times when the fish are really on fire, fishing is really good, um, and maybe you're using your favorite technique to catch them, that is the time when you really got to say, you know what, I wonder if I could catch fish on this. I wonder if I could catch fish on that. One of the most amazing discoveries I've had in recent years was um, uh, fishing for crappies with jerk baits. Huh. I was on a hot crappie bite, and it was like, oh, man, I should just, uh, you know, you can catch them every cast on this. Why don't I try uh, an X-Wrap, a little size 4, size 6 X-Wrap. And in the last three years, I found it to be the absolute most amazing thing that I've ever seen in pan fishing. It absolutely completely blows my mind, the effectiveness of it. And it outfishes just about everything I've seen. And had I not just said, you know what, I've caught enough fish on this presentation. I'm going to try something completely different. I haven't heard anybody do. It turned out to be the, <laughs> one of the best discoveries I've ever made in fishing. And, and I would assume that that technique is going to uh, upgrade the size fish you're seeing uh, a little bit more than uh, a traditional presentation. You'd, you'd be surprised. You, you would think so, but it's kind of like musky fishing. You, you throw a little jerkbait on it and you think, oh, I'm going to select for bigger fish, but everything bites it. It's like if you're throwing a 10-inch bait for muskies and, a, you know, two-pound bass grabs it. So crappies are a lot more aggressive than people think the more I fish for them. The bigger the baits, the more aggressive I, I fish them, and I just find that uh, that often is, is a far better approach than, you know, just the real finesse type of fishing. Do, do people tend to look for crappies in the wrong places? Well, yes and no. I mean, a lot of people think that, uh, I'm talking about springtime in particular here, that's probably when uh, in the open water season crappies get the most attention um, and people think, well, the crappies aren't biting until they start spawning. They get up in the bulrushes or they get up near some shallow cover and they turn black and they're spawning. And that's my least favorite time to fish for them. My favorite time is as soon as the ice goes out until they spawn. The pre-spawn bite for any fish um, is, is definitely the, the best bite of the year. And when you find those fish in those uh, remaining standing vertical weeds early in the spring, I mean, you're talking schools that are fishing the hundreds not scattered fish, one here, one there, one there, in the bulrushes, and you can just sit and wail on fish. So I think a lot of people think, oh, man, the ice just went out last week. It's way too early to crappie fish. I'm, I'm saying, no way, man. As soon as that ice goes out, look for warmer water, look for good vertical standing cover. The fish aren't up in the shallows where they spawn. They're often just uh, the next level out, and when you find them, whew, it is just amazing. Absolutely incredible. I started out asking about bass, and uh – I know, I know, I'm pretty sure you have fished on Lake Geneva in Wisconsin, southern Wisconsin. It's one of the largest lakes in Wisconsin, incredibly deep, incredibly clear. And I'll talk to guys and, and, and they talk about how good they're doing on largemouth. And I'll say, what about smallmouth? I'll say, I haven't seen one yet this year. And uh, I'm, I'm not sure because they've got a great smallmouth population as well as largemouth. Uh, and I think that guys that are on largemouth don't see smallmouth because they're not in the same place. Is that true? It really is, yeah. If you if you go to a lake that has both, you know, largemouth obviously prefer uh, a lot more shallow cover. They they like um, or shallow water, a lot more heavy cover. Smallmouth tend to be a lot more uh, hard bottom oriented. They tend to be a lot more out on the main lake. No fish can obviously be anywhere. They've got tails. They swim, and and that's just a real general 
little thumb that, yeah, all the time we'll go to a lake and say, hey, we want to fish smallmouth. If we're going to go fish smallmouth, this is kind of, again, very general, but all right, I'm going to look for the biggest gravel sand flats on the lake and find or points, look for cups and points on, on that and where the best rock is. That's probably where the smallmouth will be, especially in the spring as the summer goes on. I'm looking for hard bottom that's, you know, in that 12 to 20 foot, depending on clarity. And then the largemouth, boom, we're going right to the bank. We're looking for laydowns. We're looking for great reed beds. You know, we're looking for, you know, any type of um, any type of cover. So they really do use different habitats at times they overlap, but, but uh, they're often not in the same place. Okay, so location is a big difference, but presentation uh, can be pretty much shared, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, there, there's some baits that uh, just catch everything that swims. You know, one of them that's just kind of taken fishing by storm is is the Ned Rig. I mean, that's just one of those great baits that uh, if you're new to fishing, you're taking kids, even if you're a very experienced angler, um, you know, pretty much throughout the entire season, you can go cast that thing, drag it on the bottom, and largemouth will eat it and smallmouth will eat it, but also walleye. You probably catch your biggest crappie of the year on it. You know, you, you just catch everything on it. So there's baits that have carryover. I mean, a fish doesn't know that this is a walleye lure, this is a largemouth lure, this is a smallmouth lure. It's just a, it's just a tool. And so there's a few that, that really carry over uh, for both. But, um, um, you know, also there's, there's specialty things depending on where the fish are at. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, spoons have gotten popular for bass, which was something that was never done a long time ago. A and there's many things like that. And I always say that these guys, like in Major League Fishing, where every legal fish counts, I, I wouldn't throw anything other than a Ned Rig because for, for numbers, uh, that's just the thing for me. You know, why would you, why would you not use the most productive numbers lure in your tackle box so you're right about that ned rig that's totally incredible it's such a simple thing but, oh my gosh yeah yeah how, how much i mean it doesn't doesn't take long to learn although i i you know we've spoken to ned katie before the uh, inventor of the ned rig and talking to him he can make it seem pretty darn complicated but uh i don't think it takes a uh you know a little with a little work uh, i think you'll anybody would find that to be their favorite presentation now let's take a quick break i've got jeremy smith uh, from Linder Media Productions. Yeah, he's on Angling Edge, a wonderful fisherman from Minnesota. Uh, don't know anybody better for multi-species than Mr. Jeremy Smith. This is We Fish ASA. I'm Steve Surley. We'll be right back after this. For most anglers, the unexpected is expected. But what you can do is take matters into the seat of your, well, shorts. Meet Aftco's Overboard Shorts, winner of the iCast Best in Category for Technical Clothing, built with a 100% submersible pocket that keeps the unexpected dry dock for the other guy. Overboard keeps the good times rolling and your valuables safe for the next adventure. Overboard Shorts from Aftco. Learn more at aftco.com overboard. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting rail. Well, Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. 
distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Tatula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. The St. Croix story has evolved over 70 years. With gritty determination, St. Croix built the most advanced fishing rod facility in the world. And with it, a world-class brand that has earned the respect and admiration of anglers around the planet. We will continue to challenge ourselves, our employees, and our partners to be the best every day. We're proud to celebrate 70 years of passion and commitment to making the best rods on earth, St. Croix. Welcome back to We Fish ASA. I'm Steve Sarley sitting here on the phone with Jeremy Smith from Linder Media Productions, Linder's Angling Edge, and many, many other great educational and entertaining uh, presentations that the Linders do, and we are certainly very happy to have him. You know, we've we've threatened to talk to you about this before, and uh, we never get around to it. Let's talk about catfish. I know you love catfish. Uh, it may not be, for a lot of people, the number one fish that they're chasing, but for the ones that do, my goodness, they are just so rabid in their love of catfish. Uh, tell us about being a yeah, becoming a good cat fisherman. Oh man, cat cat fishing is is really really fun, and it's it's one of those fish that so many people look at and say, oh gosh, those things are ugly or they're gross or you know I'm I'm not really interested in cat fishing. I'm telling you, you go take some people and put them on a hot cat bite, and they will be absolutely sold. It, they they really are fun. And I'm talking primarily about uh, channel catfish, you know. Uh, Blue cats. I'm, I'm not I'm experienced in blue cat fishermen fishing enough to say anything about that. And flatheads are are um, a totally different critter altogether. But channel catfish are abundant. They're spread throughout the country. You can have access to them in small streams, ponds, lakes. You know, they're they're really everywhere. And uh, um, it's it's an opportunity that uh, that many people just ignore. You don't really need specialized equipment for it. You can go get a cheap, ugly stick at the store, all the way up to you know. King Croy making fancy catfish rods specifically for techniques that you, you might be doing. So uh, it, it can be anything, and you could just pick up one of your the rods you've got on, on a deck and put on a, a sinker and a hook and a piece of cut bait or prepared bait or, you know, crawlers, and away you go. You're catching cats. Excellent, excellent. Is there, what do people do wrong when they're out chasing catfish? I've got to think that location is, is key. And it's really difficult to pinpoint where they're going to be. Yeah. So, um, you know, kind of my experience with them and, and others will say different things. But um, when you've got kind of daytime, bright, sunny conditions, from my experience, others may say things differently. But the cats tend to be in heavier cover. So, you know, for, I'm going to use rivers as an example. And a lot of the rivers we have out around here, if I'm fishing cats during the day, I want to put my baits absolutely as close to log jams as I possibly can. Log jams are almost always the key. And if you can get your bait really close, huh. the cats are there. If all of a sudden you're putting your baits 20, 30 feet in front of a log jam, those fish might not be willing to travel that far to hit the bait. But when you throw it in there, a lot of times we're almost we're going to a jig, actually, in some cases, because when you get it close enough to them, they're so aggressive, they just jump on it right away so one of the keys is to get the baits closer to the cover now at nighttime they tend to be more comfortable they'll spread out and uh, they can be further away from those areas you're looking for more um, runs in the river a little bit faster water they'll actually get out and hunt 
in the nighttime. And, and with, when it comes to rigging, most people think of a catfish rig as, as kind of like a windy rig. So you've got your sinker on the main line that's a sliding sinker. That goes to a swivel. And then from the swivel, you've got some length of leader to the hook. Now, if you're fishing cover, it's really hard to throw that rig because the rig wants to tumble. So when okay. I'm fishing cover, I do not use a leader. I go, it's either, I'll use, I've been using jigs more, but I'll use a, a no-roll style sinker, sinker with a bead and then snell to the hook. So it's basically this really compact package, and that increases my casting accuracy so I can place the bait exactly where the fish are. You can't be that accurate with a, a traditional catfish rig because it's tumbling and it's going all over the place, and it's just a lot harder to fish. And the fish don't care when they're in that spot. They, they will eat it right next to the sinker. Interesting. I think that I think that a lot of people don't, don't specifically target catfish, don't understand them, uh, and a lot of the misconceptions will put you into the wrong kind of water. Uh, there are people that think catfish are bottom feeders, uh, that uh, are, are scavengers, that like dead bait, uh, smelly things, and uh, that that's not the case at all. I mean, catfish do like. I mean, they they they, they do like dead bait. They do like smelly things. But fresh bait, to me, has always been the, the best deal, especially for, for bigger cats and, and the best action. So fresh-cut suckers is one of our go-to deals. If you're in a place that's got shad, fresh-cut shad, or gold-eye, or moon-eye, whatever it happens to be, um, you know, a primary forage in that system. But really fresh stuff is, is great. Flatheads, you know, it's, it's primarily live bait. Um, you know, with the channel cats, it's, it's some type of a fresh bait seems to be the best. And I know places where there's ponds, and you're dealing with fiddlers or smaller cats, a lot of those prepared baits, dough baits, um, those can work really good. But when you start fishing for bigger cats, um, it really seems like live, uh, you know, freshly killed, um, basically live bait, cut bait is, is the best option. All right. Um, and, and clean water is not a deterrent at all. Clean water? No, it's not. I mean, you just... Catfish, I mean, they seem to be most active under the cover of darkness. And, you know, that, that that's things that people can get really nervous about. Like, oh, the cats just bite at night. You know, I got to get out here at nighttime. And, and often, I mean, it's, it's not really that different than any other fish. It's like, well, if they prefer darker environments, go find darker, darker environments on the river. And that's often log jams. It could be a lay down. It could be a real thick we bet it could be a big dock system, you know, it could be any one of those things where there's a lot of shade and often during the daytime that will concentrate fish and you can get on a really good, good bite in those, in those areas. And, and as it becomes nighttime, the fish spread out more, they're more actively hunting. But when you know where there's a large concentration of fish, that's when you can really weigh on them. Makes a lot of sense to me. Hey, talking about uh, nighttime and darkness. I've got something stuck in my head from when I was a youth, and, and I just can't seem to shake it. But I, I always did really well uh, catching walleye after dark. So my head tells me if I want to catch walleyes, I'm going out at night. And I should know better because I've seen the lenders on TV so many times catching uh, great walleye in, in the, the, the brightest part of the day. I don't know why I can't get over that, but uh, is there anything in your head that tells you that uh, while I prefer night? Well, I mean, there's definitely a bite that happens at nighttime. There's there's no doubt about it. Um, you know, one of the things that Al has been really good at, um, and he's pioneered in many regards, is 
uh, jig and wrap fishing, which is a reaction type of bite, as well as snap jigging plastics and, and uh, hair jigs. And so when, when you see us often catching fish in what seem like really difficult conditions during the day for walleye, you know, calm and sunny, we're fishing baits that move very fast. They're, they're reaction baits. So these baits are falling at a quick rate of speed. So the idea is that the bait, like a jigging wrap, for example, it jumps and it crashes to the bottom really quick. And it is when it falls right in front of a walleye really fast, they just, they just jump on it. Now, and conversely, you take that, you take a, a bait, you know, a jig and a minnow, flat, calm, sunny conditions, and you just drag it by them real slowly. A lot of times you're just like, eh, you know, not, not so much. Mm-hmm. Those same fish that are with a jig and a minnow or with a, you know, a, a, some, some other slow presentation as the light levels change, they'll jump all over it, right? And then you'll see those quick reaction bites kind of fall out of favor. So it really depends on the light conditions and how fast you're, you're fishing through, that, through those conditions. Excellent. You know, I, I, I remember uh, my phone ringing many years ago, my phone ringing and I answered it and it was Al Lindner. And usually I'm calling him asking for a favor. Not the, and he says, you, you got to get me on your radio show uh, right away. I said, why? He says, I, I just got this unbelievable bite I discovered. It's uh, jigging wraps for walleyes. Uh, and it's absolutely phenomenal. I've never caught walleyes like this. And I would have never thought that this was going to work out this way. But it's the best, and I got to get everybody to try it. Put me on, put me on the radio. I got to talk about this. And I was like, yeah. I can't believe how excited he was. So flipping excited, I couldn't believe it. And I watched the presentation, and I'll be out on the lake, and I don't see people doing this. Why did did this not catch on? Is it just is it too much work or too different? Is do you have to push the envelope so much that people prefer not to do it? Because I'm sure Al still does it on a regular basis. Yeah, I mean, everybody does. So um, we've seen more and more people picking up on, on this technique, definitely over the years, but definitely the vast majority don't don't even, you know, consider it. And it's kind of one of those things that you really need to get the confidence. And I think for a lot of folks um, that I've talked to, they've, they've got a jig and wrap, they've gone out and tried it. And they're like, ah, you know, I don't know what you're talking about. I just haven't had that, that uh, luck that you're talking about. And they're not, uh, it, it, it's in the technique. It's, it's, Oh, it, it is, of course, the lure, but it's also how you fish the lure. So the idea with it to really get it to work is you need to have some type of a clean bottom, sand or gravel, even mud, but uh, you, you snap, you really aggressively snap the bait, you know, moving it two or three feet, you know, you ride two or three feet, and then you let the bait fall on a slack line, not on a tight line, on a slack line, and the bait kind of spins and it crashes back to the bottom. Yeah. And you're repeating that process, and a lot of people will just kind of lift and set it down, lift and set it down. If you're not fishing it really aggressively, the fish just don't seem to care. So once people see like, oh, oh I'm, I'm not fishing it fast enough, I'm not being aggressive enough, the, the light bulb goes off and it's all of a sudden their favorite way to catch walleye. Unbelievable. That is uh, that is absolutely great. And you're using, a, what kind of line are you using for that? Well, it, it depends. There's a you know, fishing line, I always say people... You know, what's the best line for it? It's whatever you prefer. Um, Al loves fishing mono for jig and wrap, you know, six or eight pound suffix advanced mono for a main line. A lot of people love just fishing 10 pound braid uh, for, the, for that type of situation. I tend to use both. If I'm in a really snaggy environment where I'm a high probability of getting snagged, I often uh, will use a braid just because I can, uh, it seems like I can, you know, finesse a few more of those baits out or straighten the hook out here and there rather than losing baits. Uh-huh. I know it's just too hard to do. 
But if it's nice and clean, I still love fishing mono. I love that stretch in the string. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, Alan told me to use to use mono, and I think that's a problem because people will say, "Hey, I, I'm I'm all spooled up with braid. I'm not going to re-spool with mono just to do this one technique." Well, that, you're you're blowing it on that. That makes no sense at all to me. Uh, that that's something. I mean, if if you've got more than one rod, that dedicate one rod to mono for that technique. You're going to catch walleyes. Uh, why would you take the lazy way out and not do that? I don't know, but that's the way a lot of us are. And I say us rather yeah. than somebody else, because I know I fall into these <laughs> traps myself. We're, we're, and I can give you a little something, too, on that, that uh, I've done with a lot of uh, different presentations. Um, uh, uh, is just take, so you might be spooled up with braid, but just go ahead and uh, learn how to tie a, a good braid to floral, braid to mono knot, you know, an Albright or maybe an FG knot, um, and put like a half a cast of mono on there, and you achieve the same thing. It's just, you know, put 30 feet of it on there. Now you've got that stretch in the string. The bait behaves the same, and you don't have to take all your braid off, put a new school on, you know, if you're limited on your rods, just make a super long leader. Make a, make a 20, 30-foot leader. You cast through the line well, and, and away you go. And it just takes a little bit of extra work. And you got to admit, fishing is work. I know it looks like it's an awful lot of fun and very little investment for great results, but that's not true. And you see that every day when you're out filming. It is it is work, and you've got to work at it. And if you work like the lenders do, you will have results. Maybe not like the lenders do, but probably way better than you're doing right now. Hey, man, thanks for being with us. We never got into muskies. Can we do this again real soon and talk muskies? I would love it. I mean, look, my dad, you know, I love catching everything, but I've got a special place in my heart for muskie. I know you do. We'll tease that and say we'll do that real soon with Jeremy Smith. He is the best young angler on the planet. Multi-species. He catches them all. He catches them for Lindner's Angling Edge and their many related uh, uh Video presentations, television presentations, Linder's Angling Edge, the best education you'll ever get in fishing. Jeremy Smith, thanks for being with us. We'll catch up with you again soon, my friend. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jeremy Smith. We appreciate your being with us. That wraps up this week's edition of the We Fish ASA podcast, the best darn fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire USA. I'd like to thank today's guests, Mark Hansen from St. Croix. Sam Veith from Fishing for Good, and Jeremy Smith from Linder's Angling Edge. Boy, that guy can catch fish. Uh, had a whole bunch of great tips from Jeremy Smith today. Excellent. I'd like to thank our sponsor, St. Croix, the best rods on earth, Calcutta, makers of a lot of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion, and Daiwa. We've got your bass covered. Boy, they sure do. Daiwa Reels. Remember that We Fish ASA presents a new episode of our one-hour po- one podcast each and every week. It's available 24-7 everywhere you get your podcast. Don't forget you can listen to it, listen to the show at our website, wefishasa.com. You can also write us there. So if you like what you hear, please let us know. If there's something you'd like to hear us talk about or somebody we should have on the show, please let us know that too. I'm Steve Sarley. My partner is Dave Kranz. We'll see you next week. Now, let's go fishing. I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash.
Do your part and join me. Visit KeepAmericaFishing.org and pledge to pitch it.